Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great comedian, a great podcaster, Steel Saunders. Hey, you guys. How you doing? Good, good. You have an awesome name. I'm sure you talk about that a lot. I actually try to avoid talking about it a lot because <laughs> I've said everything that needs to be said. Yeah. Uh, it's a family tradition. My, I'm the youngest son <laughs> and my older brothers are Shane and Craig. Yeah. So, of course, the next logical name would be Steel. Right. So, you have this down. That was great. You have your, you've done enough podcasts. That was your like, let me get through this quickly because I'm done with this. Well, I forget it's weird. That's yeah. the thing. And sometimes I go, oh, that's a weird name. And my wife will be like, Steel. Your name is Steel. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is too. Yeah, 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 I get that. It's my great-grandfather's name. And I I think they just thought they'd um, they'd mix it up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very grateful. When I look back and, like, I'm lying on the leather couch talking to my psychologist, <laughs> I, I do think being called Steel defined me a little bit. Yeah. Because as a kid, you're always used to being the odd one out. Yeah. Because, you know, my name wasn't Danny or Justin or something like that. And I've heard... All the jokes. <laughs> I am and, not making any jokes. And then I went to kindergarten. So, uh, yes. That- <laughs> <laughs> you heard all the jokes pre-kindergarten. Yeah, that's yeah, nice. yeah. Nice. Well, that's like when people go to bring me up on stage and they say, how do you want to be introduced? Which is more of a thing in, in America because it's more like, what are your credits? Yeah. Like, we're a bit more unassuming in Australia. And I just say... Just say the name, no puns. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> this guy doesn't do any puns. Yes. Steel Saunders. No, just no puns about the name. Yeah, like, no, no, I understand. You know, much like, um, you know, a, a female comedian doesn't want to go, hey, guys, yeah. we've got a lady coming up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I can relate to the name thing because I never have anything for Scrimshaw other than, oh, that's really cool. Or people who assume that there should be an H in it and just massacre it. Which happened to me growing up, and then I got to like college. Then people are suddenly like Scrimshaw. That's a cool name. It's like, oh, good. I didn't know for my entire childhood that I had a good name. Well, if you grew up in Australia, your nickname would be Scrimmy. <laughs> I've got some Scrimmy, but yeah. not as much as I would have gotten in Australia, probably. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we become best friends, so I can <laughs> I can say that. I'm going up to Scrimmy's house. <laughs> Scrimshaw and Saunders would be very good. We can be an old timey <laughs> UK comedy group. Think solve mysteries. Yeah, uh, solve podcast mysteries all over. <laughs> iTunes. So you've kind of already answered the who are you question. You're a comedian, you're a podcaster, but you want to tell people a little bit more about what you do? We have a Star Wars connection. Yeah, I, I do a podcast called Steel Wars, which is a, uh, a tongue-in-cheek but very passionate look at Star Wars fandom. I, uh, I do another podcast which is quite popular in Australia called I Love Green Guide Letters. And to explain that, the Green Guide is a TV lift out in Australia and people write letters to the TV lift out complaining about TV. And if you're one of those people, your complaints are probably quite trite. So a podcast that uh, mocks your letters is uh, probably kind of entertaining. And we try to get people that are getting complained about to oh, come nice. onto the podcast nice. and respond. So yeah. yeah, a comedian, podcaster, and uh, nerd, Star Wars nerd. Cool. For the Green Guide podcast, has it permeated the Australian culture to the point where people write letters to Green Guide trying to get on your podcast? Yes. I've read out a letter complaining about my podcast that's in the Green Guide letter. And you can make all the uh, Inception references as you... It was it was sort of like 
do we need to keep going past this episode? We've, yeah. We've achieved so much. <laughs> You've circled back. You've <laughs> eaten your tail. Yes. And you're good to go. <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk today about your obsession. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Star Wars will slip in. Uh, but your obsession is Seinfeld. It is. I'm an obsessive person. I'm an all or nothing guy. Nice. Like at the moment... You know, it's that golden age of television where you have dinner or breakfast with your friends and you basically demand (laughs) each other watch shows. Yeah. And I'm quite busy making my sweet, sweet content for the internet. So I don't have a lot of time to do these other things. So I have to, you know, pick my battles. Yeah. And so I'll watch, I did Westworld, I did Stranger Things, but then other shows I'm just like, hey, I'm sure it's awesome. But I don't have any more time for more awesome things. Is it that you fear if you watch one thing and you really like it that you will spend time devouring it and it'll take time away from your creative pursuits? Yeah, I just don't have time to delve in. Yeah. Because I like to I like to listen to the podcasts and I like yeah. to, you know, find out the theories and stuff like okay. that. So uh, the only thing I don't really like Marvel films. Okay. Which are, you know, catered to the person like myself. But I've never read a Marvel comic apart from Star Wars one, so I can just go and just enjoy it and walk out and go, yeah. You know, the guy next to me is grumbling, oh, they didn't get Hawkeye right. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, Jeremy Renner, he was pretty good. Yeah. But um, Seinfeld definitely has devoured me. Okay. And, and I'm, I've got no misgivings about that. Yeah. It, it, was, so- it was there for me when TV was not great. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to know a little bit about that, but I want to start with, I'm trying to be better on the podcast for giving a basic introduction of the topic to you. We're all hoping you get better on the podcast. (laughs) What is Seinfeld to you? How would you describe the show if aliens landed from the new planets that were discovered today as we were recording and said, (laughs) what is Seinfeld? How would you answer them? What it is to me is my defining show in how I relate to other people. So I can understand I've got, I just on my Star Wars podcast put up an episode today with a very good friend of mine that had never seen Star Wars. Nice. And we took him to see Rogue One to see if he could work out what was going on. (laughs) And people often very sheepishly say, oh, don't hate me, but I've never seen Star Wars. I'm like, I don't care. They're a rare jewel at this point. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not sure how you did that. And uh, maybe we should get child services (laughs) onto your parents. But I, I don't begrudge you. But if someone says... I don't find Seinfeld funny. I sort of just go, maybe we're not for each other. Like maybe inherently okay. we're not going to connect. I hold Seinfeld in such high regard that if you don't like that, well, then you're going to like my meager third rate version <laughs> of that sort of humor. <laughs> so you, you think you're like third level Australian Seinfeld? Yeah, and I think I'm being very flattering to myself with that description. (laughs) I just think it's the perfect show. And it's also a a show that has so much like fascinating lore around it with how they, they sort of grabbed from real life and real life sort of interacted with the scripts and then the scripts interacted with real life. Right, the show ate its own tail much like your Green Guide podcast. it totally did. But to tell our our new seven planets that I hope we invade very soon, (laughs) because they're asking for it, you want to say the catchphrase, it's a show about nothing. But then on the flip side, it's a show about everything. Yeah. It's a show about not being able to tolerate everything. And it's about intolerance. And yeah. And therefore, (laughs) you want to almost live in a world of nothing. Yeah. 
you know, by the, the last episode, you kind of realize that your four heroes might not be great people to yeah. know. In a way, I guess it is kind of a case for this is how weird and sometimes awful the world around them is. So they're justified in being nihilists. Yeah. And it's just that focus on the minutiae and blowing that out of proportion. Yeah. That's what I enjoy. And I, it, it wasn't corny. You know, it was very dry. It was, it was biting. It was just hilarious. And, and also now, ironically, when you watch it, like it's so the clothing and the hairstyles, (laughs) it's almost like a sketch about Seinfeld. Right. Like a sketch of the nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The nineties were sort of making fun of themselves and they didn't really even know it. Yeah. And just like the scenes with Jerry in the, um, like doing stand up in the first few seasons (laughs) against the brick wall. Yeah. The spotlight. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess it sort of also introduced to me this, seductive lifestyle of the comedian you know kind of not up to that much (laughs) and then you know goes into a little room is funny for 15 minutes yeah and then bails to the next room like i i I don't know yeah it's not tortured it's just hey i look around me i don't do anything all day so i can look around me and find some funny observations and then i share them and people laugh yeah it's a very stress-free version of comedy yeah, very fictional as well. <laughs> I think so. I think so. So I want to talk a little bit about like your first experience of it. How did you get hooked? Obviously, uh, it was in Australia. Were you seeing it as it was broadcast? Were you seeing it in reruns? I am a Seinfeld hipster. Okay. I, I was there from day one. <laughs> so there was the four episodes that were the pilot The that was called the Seinfeld Chronicles. Yeah. And for some reason, that got bought by channel nine in australia which is kind of like i'm not sure of the vibes of the tv stations in america yeah but channel nine is sort of more of a right leaning station okay. it's where 60 minutes is yeah um it's a bit more of a serious station and they bought the these four episodes you wait and go you stay up really late and this is you know we didn't have cable television so you start really late and you watch Herman's Head, you'd watch Night Court. <laughs> so yeah, so this show, I, I would just stay up and watch whatever was on really late night and it was just a gift. If you could find, you know, one of these shows. Yeah. And then Letterman, they started showing Letterman at about two in the morning. Oh yeah, that's a nice companion. And so I was, you know, just out of high school, I could stay up for as, as long as I wanted, guys. <laughs> and my friends, we had this bungalow at the back of my parents' house and people would come around, we watched TV till all hours of the night. And it was sort of focused around Letterman. That okay. was sort of like the core of the evening. And I also, for some reason, was quite taken with the Today Show. Like, once it got late, they would show the Today Show live. And oh, so it was uh, nighttime in Australia, like late time Australia, but it was morning in America. Yeah, so, so it's like, like Matt Lauer and, and Katie Couric <laughs> and here's what's happening in your neck of the woods. And were you just exhausted, so it seemed like some sort of strange meta-comedy at that point? 
No, it was just like that was the best time when television was on. So that was <laughs> that was my prime time. Okay, so yeah, you needed Seinfeld if Today Show was the best comedy you could find from America. Yeah, and I loved it. Well, it wasn't exactly comedy, but it was sort of oh, Entertainment Tonight. I used yeah. to love watching that for some reason <laughs> because the TV in Australia was so kind of bland and like we had like dramas like the country practice okay all the drama around a country vet it's just like (laughs) oh man put me down behind the shed please so i I had this you know i was intoxicated with all these shows and then i remember seeing seinfeld and just that they seemed to just be sitting in this cafe just talking doing nothing for so long and i was just like this is so cool they're not doing anything like there's no mission there's no drop there's no breakup they're just like having conversations that i guess me and my friends wish we were having like you know we thought we're having really witty conversations but uh probably those versions of the conversations scripted by larry david and and jerry seinfeld (laughs) were far more wittier so that's how i sort of got into it which was this this fall and then I guess when it got renewed, because it had the shortest season yeah. thing, like four episodes. Like if you, you know, if you read books about Seinfeld and that, they were just like, it was almost an insult that they got <laughs> for. And then when they got renewed for the next season and it became just called Seinfeld, uh, then it went to Channel 10, which was the hip channel. Okay. And that had like The Simpsons and X-Files. They had a lot of Fox shows. Right. So it was the 90s channel in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were killing it at the time. And they had, um, you know, Twin Peaks, all that stuff. So that went to there. And I think they maybe, they started putting it on at a regular, you know, 8.30, 9.30 time slot. And I just thought it was the best. Did you try to convert other people? Did you say like, hey, my friends who I talk to, like I think the characters on Seinfeld talk, you have to come over and watch this, you have to like this, or was it just a personal obsession? I remember watching it with people. So I think we were just all just went, we saw this show, you know, back then when you see The Simpsons. Yeah. You didn't have to convince anyone to watch The Simpsons. Okay. So it was The Simpsons. So I think Seinfeld just like fitted in with our, because we're all just out of high school, kind of doing nothing, you know, <laughs> sort of had, you know, part-time jobs. And I lived in this, like, little beach town, I guess, um, about an hour out of town, out of the city. And during the winter, it was like people would go there that weren't that well off for holidays. Okay. The rich people would keep driving to the, the better beach about <laughs> half an hour down the road. Was there something wrong with your beach? It just wasn't nice enough. Okay. There was nowhere to park your yacht. (laughs) And um, I think we all had the same mindset. So it was just like, yeah, Seinfeld. And then it was one of those things where the thing you loved and you started out with, you know, got super popular. And, you know, you do get that thing where it's just like, you're not liking it the right way. (laughs) Like Kramer coming through the door is not the best part of the show. Right. So, yeah, when people focus on, like, these surface-level details of something you love, you're like, mm. So yeah. did you go around uh, trying to teach people to appreciate Seinfeld on the right level? No, I don't think I... I don't think I cared. We were very insular. Like, so we hung out in our little crew. Like, like in our town, there was, like, people who played football, like AFL football. Yeah. So the jocks. And then, because we were near a lot of surf beaches, and so there was a lot of surfers. And we were kind of the, like the punk rock skaters that sort of, <laughs> to this day, I've never owned a pair of, which you guys in Australia called flip flops in America, in okay. Australia, they're called thongs, but I've never owned a pair 
purely out of spite to the surfers <laughs> in the town. I only just in the last five years started wearing sunglasses. Okay. So you just didn't want to wear any... Be- have you never been topless also as a way to attack beach life? Yeah, but that's more me not attacking my body on other people's <laughs> eyes. Fair enough. It's more Fair of a, mo- a modesty issue. So, okay. So that's how you got hooked uh, when you were a kid. How did your obsession sort of develop as an adult? Like, obviously, you you love Star Wars. You've managed to make that a part of your life by mm-hmm. doing podcasts. Have you made Seinfeld a part of your life in other ways other than just, I like this TV show? I definitely sort of derived like cadence in how I spoke and, yeah. and just ways to analyze things. Like sometimes you can catch yourself, you know, writing a little Seinfeld spec script <laughs> in how yeah. you're talking. One of the, the craziest things that really showed, like which I, I guess why I'm on this show, that, that sort of like my bona fides, is later on when I was about, maybe like 25, 26, I was in full going, I was living in the city then in Melbourne and I was in total, you know, going out all the time mode. Okay. It was a long weekend and we had cable TV in Australia by then and on the cable TV as to celebrate the long weekend, they had the Seinfeld marathon about nothing (laughs) from the start of the public holiday from the weekend, I think it started at like like six o'clock on the Friday night. So when yeah. people were officially on the long weekend, all the way through 180 episodes of Seinfeld in order. With then they had little like um, they had a host like this game show host from Australia that would sort of host little trivia games okay. like in between the episodes and stuff like that. This was huge. This was a big opportunity. Because a lot of times TV channels, they get stuck on just playing the same couple of seasons. They maybe only have the rights to those okay. seasons and stuff. But, you know, you wouldn't get like the early episodes. They wouldn't play those. Okay. This was a chance to not only watch all the episodes, but record, record them all. all the right. episodes. This was big, right? So I knew it was coming. I, at the time, had recently purchased a... $995 VCR <laughs> that had the features of that it would play American videos because we were on a different format. Right. And would long play. So you could put in a five-hour tape, flick a switch, crank that bad boy up to 10 hours, <laughs> which was an amazing bit of technology. So what I did was I had all these tapes, I, it was the start of the weekend, and I was going to record every episode of Seinfeld. And you were going to watch it live at the same time. I, I would still. I had. I had my nightlife. It's a long weekend. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I wasn't really sure how social you were at this point. Oh yes. No. 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 Those. Um. You know. So you're going out without flip flops, without sunglasses, and you're partying. Very much so. Okay. I had. I had my. Um. My late 90s skater outfit going and it was it was heading out okay i had um yeah i I had some wu-tang to dance to (laughs) and uh so what i did i i put in the first videotape it's 10 hours and i set an alarm and i got home and it was still plenty of time yeah slept on the couch alarm goes off like early (laughs) in the morning and i wait for the end of the episode change tapes 
this was going okay. But then it timed out that one of the tape changes was going to be about 1 a.m. Okay. This is in like peak, you know, yeah. at, at a bar time. So I remember I was talking to this girl and it was about 12 o'clock and I just said, oh, hey. And things were going well and, and things were looking up. And I said, hey, I have to go, <laughs> but I'll be back in an hour. And she goes, where do you have to go? And I go, I'll tell you when I get back. Right. So were you trying to create an air of mystery to make it more sexy and exciting? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. So uh, I was about probably about a 20-minute taxi ride out of the city. Um, so I was in the city and I live in a suburb called Paran. So I got the taxi and said to the cab driver, you know, leave that meter running. <laughs> I just have to change the tape over. So I ran upstairs. Uh, waited for the episode to end, still on the meter, probably not the best idea. Uh, flipped the tape in, new tape, taxi back to the bar. And the girl goes to me, oh, where'd you go? And I said, oh, I told her the story. Okay. And I'm thinking, this is going to seal the deal. <laughs> like I'm in this world where I'm just like, there is no way that anyone can hear this story and not go, I must sleep with this man right now. Yeah. He is dedicated to the right things. She replies... Oh, I don't like that show at all. <laughs> I never got what people were about. She was not impressed with your tantric videotaping? No. So I was like, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I got like, um, you know, I got like some KFC or something and went home and watched Seinfeld just happily knowing that I'd made the right choice. Oh, that's great. But then I got so obsessed with these tapes. I had this big pile of VHS tapes that had all the episodes on and I just this is before you know like good things were on the internet yeah so it's before podcasting um you know even DVDs very limited like yeah the TV shows when, when Seinfeld got released on DVD that was a major event oh like, yeah like that was like in six months we're bringing out Seinfeld and it was like people ringing me and going, have you heard the news? <laughs> this is amazing. We're going to have access to all this stuff. So I would watch these. Like now I, um, like if I'm not talking to someone and I'm not editing a podcast, I'm listening to a podcast. Yeah. So like the whole, I drove here, listen to a podcast. When I go home, podcast, I'm doing the washing, like whatever I'm doing, yeah. listen to a podcast. I think I, I just enjoy the input. And so sign, I would get home and whether I was watching it or not, I would just put in, press play, and just have Seinfeld playing in the house. So it would just sort of earworm your soul. Yeah. it's just always on. And then it got sort of weird. And, and I do like to listen to stuff now when I go to sleep, just to turn my head off. Yeah. I, I find going to sleep, like, so defeatist. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like... Oh, so you're just going to lay down? Yeah, you want to pack some content in there. Yeah, but it's just like, are you just quitting? That's all <laughs> you're going to achieve today? So you're just going to lay there and hope you fall asleep. Yeah, so I would, I ended up just, I would sleep on the couch. Mm -hmm. I would put Seinfeld on and would use that to put me to sleep. And then my uh, my housemate Clint would wake up and hear the TV was on and turn it off, and then that would wake me up. <laughs> and then I would put Seinfeld back on, and it drove him insane. And I watched them so much that tapes began to like... Oh, yeah, wear out. Yeah, lose their... um, like They'd just start breaking and, and, and snapping in the VCR and stuff. Yeah. And then I bought on eBay 
tiny little like postage stamp. I don't even know what the file was of Seinfeld episodes. Someone had somehow transferred. Okay, Seinfeld so just episodes. be a surprise. No, you, you got them all, but that you could only watch them postage stamp size. Oh, okay. And I can't remember. There was this really weird file format that wouldn't play on my Mac. And so I could only watch them on people's PCs. Right. So these are the early days of internet theft. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. real early. And then I brought out the DVDs and I got every one as they came out. I devoured every bonus feature, every commentary. And then they brought out the box set of all of them. Yeah. Which you could only get in America. And that came with... Oh, it came with a book. You got like a special guide to all the episodes. So I've got two sets of the DVDs now. <laughs> yeah. To get the book. But I, I also was just like, well, this show has given me so much happiness. They can have two sets. They yeah, can, they can take they some of your money. They can, they can double dip on Yeah. That. Yeah. I wanted to ask you some general questions about kind of how Seinfeld has impacted your life or about the show itself. Beyond this woman at the bar uh, who you lost over the Seinfeld tape debacle. No, she lost me. (laughs) She blew it. Have you had uh, times where you've made dating decisions based on Seinfeld? Like you're absorbing all of this and so much of it is about dating and about the minutia of what is good and bad and dating and signs. Have you ever consciously made a choice? Like I know from Seinfeld that this is a good or bad dating decision. Yeah, I think so. Well, well, I think... My wife and I, before we met each other, liked the idea of each other because we were both really into Seinfeld and Star Wars. And okay. We had mutual friends. And one of her best friends was going out with one of my friends and she came to my house and saw all the Star Wars and Seinfeld paraphernalia and said to her friend, my now wife, like, oh, you got to meet this guy. Yeah. You know, you're very, you know, your, your, your likes match up quite yeah, well. Yeah, you have the same turn-ons. But... um. You know, there's so much wisdom, like like a Band-Aid straight off. Like, how good wisdom is that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Don't draw things out. Just like... who Now, who says that in Seinfeld? That is... George has got this really whiny kind of, like... She's from, like, New Orleans. She's got that sort of uh, voice. A girlfriend that would go... George, like, <laughs> I remember she'd always go, Jerry, you know, <laughs> and George wanted to break up with her and he kept like dragging it out. And Jerry said, you got to do it in one shot, like a bandaid straight off. <laughs> and then Jerry ended up getting in a car with her one, la- one night and they ended up kissing. And then George started got like, Jerry's like, I've got to get rid of this woman. Yeah. And George is like. Got to do it like a Band-Aid, straight <laughs> off. But all that stuff, like, about having hand in the relationship. Do you remember that storyline? I where, don't. Where George's girlfriend is in control of the relationship. Yeah. And is always, like, threatening to break up. And um, Kramer's like, you know, you don't have any hand. You've got to get, like, which is the shorthand for the upper the hand. hand. Yeah. And then George ends up breaking up with her. Just as a ploy. So then he's in control. And then in the end, she breaks up with him and George goes, but I had hands. <laughs> and she goes, but you're gonna need it. <laughs> it's a masturbating reference. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, there's so much, all those little tidbits. So, and- so they have floated through when you're like, when you oh. broke up with someone, you decide like, do it fast. I won't play the dumb game of 
dominance in the relationship. Mm. It's pointless to, if you like someone, just say you like them. And even on a more like life or death thing, when we were sending out invitations for the wedding, yeah. like licking those <laughs> envelopes was clearly off the cards. Yeah. There is no way. But one of the, and like how much I, I love podcasting, I, I sometimes when I look back at the things that I really resonated to, like I love podcasting before it was invented because I always like just the, like the independent, you know, you just do it yourself. You don't have to ask right. anyone. I love the episode where Kramer finds the Merv Griffin set and sets it up in his house and has this <laughs> fake talk show. Yeah. Because I feel like that's our lives. Yeah. Is having podcasters. These, these fake TV or radio shows. Yeah. Like, well, and it's the first thing you said about Seinfeld uh, on this podcast. Like, I turned it on and they were just sitting there talking to each other. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, fair enough. And then, I, I always thought comedy and comedians were kind of magic. Yeah. They were like jugglers or something. You learned, like, you just knew how to do it or there was something weird. Yeah. That, yeah something special. <laughs> like just- a superpower or like... Midi-chlorians like you have some like sort of weird origin, like hit by radioactive spit from a comedian. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then after Jerry finished up the show and he did the big I'm telling you for the last time tour. Yeah. And then he sort of retired all those jokes, like all from that album. And I would listen to that album. I would go to sleep to that, like just hoping that the jokes because I wasn't trying to be a comedian. Okay. I was just trying to be funny. But you just, you loved Seinfeld as a stand-up as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I had such a narrow view of stand-up that I thought he had told all the jokes. <laughs> like but, every joke ever. Well, I thought he'd observed all the funny things in the world. Oh, like he had made all the observations and there was nothing else yeah, to observe. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> He's done. Clocked it. Game over. Like, you know, just like things, amazing things like the... He's got that really old bit about the hair in the shower and how you try to wash it down and it's really yeah. stubborn. And it's one of those it's it's like one of the best Seinfeldy sort of references because it's a thing that you do and you don't realize that billions of other people do it. And so when you all hear about it in a room and you're like, "Oh, we all do that." Right. What a surprise. Like because you've never thought about right. it. You've so. never you've never thought that you're the only one that's done it, but you've never thought that anyone else you just thought that was your own little game, right? That we all like to play, and so I just thought he cocked it. He just he just wrapped it up. You've done game over, um, end of the book, and so he did his big tour, and then he made a documentary called Comedian about him trying to write another hour and about the process he went through, and you see him in. You know, obviously he gets to go up to try the material in all the best rooms in New York, but he bombs and people heckle him. And um, this, I remember this English lady in the documentary heckles him with when he stumbles on something. She just yells out from the back of the room in this awesome English accent. Is this your first time? (laughs) (laughs) And he replies... No, it's not. But this is how comedians develop material. And as you can see, the process can be quite painful. And that documentary, it showed me how people came up with material Mm -hmm. and that it's hard. And so I was like, oh, so Seinfeld, it's not a gift. Right. It's work. Yeah, it's work. And so that showed me that, oh, if you worked at it, then you might be able to do it. Yeah. And so that movie is like... 
such a, like, like back home in Australia, I've got like the big poster of it and it's Seinfeld sort of walking in an alley with um, a microphone on a, um, on a stand and the big comedian and the catchphrase is um, where does comedy come from? Yeah. And I've got that in my hallway and sometimes I look at it and go, it's just, yeah, it's such a good movie. And sometimes I look at it and go, yeah, thanks movie. You've ruined my life. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a stand-up specific question because I, I uh, was reading the Wikipedia on Seinfeld to mm-hmm. kind of remind myself of some of the basics. And there was an interesting quote there about Seinfeld saying, we never intended it to be a show about nothing. We intended it to be a show about where comedians get their ideas. And to me, that was a really interesting way of, of looking at it. So I wanted to ask you specifically, since I know you do stand-up, the show features a lot of weird and sometimes actually terrible things happening to Seinfeld. Do you find yourself wanting to have a Seinfeld life like, I wish something weird or terrible would happen to me so I have more inspiration for stand-up? I don't think I'm terribly open with that sort of stuff. Like, I have to work at, like, you know, I've got friends that will tell horrible stories about them ruining their pants in the worst possible way. (laughs) Are you being delicate or is that the Australian way to say what you're talking oh, about? Oh, no, the Australian way is the exact opposite of how I say <laughs> okay. that. But I really like it because it yeah. leaves open the door of possibility that we're not talking about what we're probably talking about. <laughs> we are talking about that. <laughs> I ruined my pants. Yes. So I have to work at that sort of, I, I, I think maybe my pride gets in the way of exposing myself to okay. such things. I, I guess I'm a bit more... Of the Larry David side of Seinfeld, where somebody annoys me with their pettiness or their hypocrisy, and I'm going to go tell on them. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's, it's, it's, it's maybe more my style. Yeah. A lot of my stand-up right now is just complaining about people who have said weird or rude things to me on Twitter. So, yeah, I understand that. It's, uh, there's a lot of material there. <laughs> there you, really you, is. You will not run out of uh, writing <laughs> subjects. Uh, on that one, but and I always get frustrated with the the stereotypical like, um, what's the deal with the plain food and like yeah, it's just like like Seinfeld he didn't invent a genre but he clarified it, he yeah. made it his own and 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 brought it to the masses. And, like, it's not his fault that then hundreds of other comedians aped it and did it in a worse way. And I I actually, I saw him recently just down the road at Pantages. And he just came out and it's it's so much more sort of energetic and a lot more sort of storytelling and, but just power, just like bang, 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 hour and 20 minutes. And like, I'm tired, but it was... It was intense. Like, it didn't come out with, like, an introduction or anything. just came out and just stormed. And I really respect him for, you know, like, he's a billionaire. Yeah. That's still just like, yeah, I'm going to do one of the hardest jobs ever. Like, Right. He's clearly interested in the art form and always has been. And he's, like, got a fascination with that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I I sort of see him as a weird guy. Like, someone I would be nervous to meet not only because I love him so much and respect him so much, but nervous for like, how's this going to go? Yeah. He seems, as much as he's sort of like squeaky clean, I really love baseball and Superman, there does seem like there has to be a part of him that is restless and obsessive. That like would only be half paying attention to the real conversation because he sees an armpit stain and he thinks, what does that mean? Is there something there? 
Yeah, and, and Jackie, my wife, always says, oh, he's so arrogant. And I'm like, well, he's the mo- most successful person in his chosen field, which is a pretty arrogant field. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I, I Like, to be honest, if, if it feels like he's sort of looking down on people, he probably is. <laughs> and and I don't really begrudge him for it. Like, I'm like, yeah, you are better than us. Like, yeah. If you could have a drink with any with uh, either Seinfeld or any of the other characters, would you want to have the drink with with Seinfeld? I'd ha- you'd have to go with yes. Yeah, like you'd have to go with yes. Like you're talking to someone that made his um, his brother and his sister in law drive him to out the front of his holiday house in the Hamptons so I could look over the fence. (laughs) He's got a baseball diamond. He bought it off Billy Joel. Billy Joel already had a baseball diamond in the front of the house. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So you couldn't pass down the opportunity to sit down with him. Yeah, I I think I'd love to do my podcast with him. Yeah. Because it's like just to hear him, just to go... Here's this complaint letter about how someone's not wearing their tie properly, or a lot of these complaints on Isle of Green Girl letters could be solved if people realised there's this device called a remote control. <laughs> um, so I'd love to do that with him, just to see his reactions to these letters and stuff. But it's one of those things, like well, if you're gonna talk to him, like you'd want it to be where you were on the same show or something. Like, you know, yeah. you're doing like a lineup show and you're on the same show. You wouldn't want it to be like, I won a radio prize. <laughs> Just because like you'd want to somehow feel like you're on the same level or in like there's a purpose to it. Sort yeah. of like, it's like, I'm not a civilian. I'm, you know. I know what it's like, buddy. So if you were like at a Comic-Con and you were at the bar and he just wandered up and struck up a conversation with you, that would make you nervous because he doesn't know that you are a comedian, you are a podcaster, you have some success, so you're on you're on his wavelength? Wow, you have got some way out fan fiction. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld at a Comic-Con he likes sees Superman. me at a bar and comes up and starts a conversation with me. Well, that's different because he started the conversation. But I think if I saw him, just say I saw him in New York or something like yeah. that, and he was just walking down the street, he was, I, I'd have to go up and have a shot. Okay. Of, of just like saying thanks and you inspired me to become a comedian and, you know, also no thanks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because you made it really difficult. Yeah. Too. <laughs> so, yeah, I would um, I would have to try yeah. to engage. Yeah. I... Um, I got to interview Harrison Ford last year. Oh, no, the year before now. in Just before The Force Awakens. And I saw him as a very Jerry Seinfeld per- person in that, like, I adore him. I look up to him. and But he's probably not the best person to talk to as far as, like, he's just so above everything. He is distant and he's not going to tell you about ruining his pants. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although he did... Ruin his pants on Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> you know the scene where um, that classic scene where um, the guy comes out with the sword. Yeah, yeah, the big sword flare, and then the and shooting. then he shoots him. Yeah, yeah. Well, they just came, he. I think Harrison came out with that himself because he had um, he had the runs, he had diarrhea, and it was like they were meant to have a fight. Yeah, and we're like we need a way just to end this scene. So it was like just shoot him. <laughs> yeah, I think he had dysentery or something. Yeah, or some yeah, other yeah, yeah. organ trail like disease. So, um, yeah, so pant ruining can make for some classic film scenes as well. 
guys, it's Sarah Meyer, co-producer of this show, and I've come out to find some random people to talk to about Seinfeld, and a guy just saw me with the mic and crossed the street to avoid me, so we'll see how this goes. Do you like the show Seinfeld? Yes. Yeah? Uh, no. No? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> seen a couple of episodes, not many. Have you ever seen Seinfeld? No. Sorry. I don't really watch sitcoms. It's usually just like Netflix series and stuff. Young people of today are not watching sitcoms, is that what I'm hearing? I would say so, yeah. Mainly like your people born in the 90s kind of usually watch it, but not like m- millennials, etc. On, on the show Seinfeld, they invented a holiday called Festivus. And Festivus is a day where you air your grievances to the world. Do you have any grievances you'd like to air? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you? Anything. What bugs you? Sunburn. No, I have no grievances I like to air. Such a happy guy. Come on, give me something. I just a happy guy. Like I don't look around. There's got to be something. Look at look how dirty that car is. Yeah, that car. Looking at that car is really disgusting and gross. Would you like to air a grievance about that car? No, but it's fine. It fits into the neighborhood for sure. Do you know what double dipping is? No. <laughs> Sounds dirty. <laughs> What's well, like when you have like a um, tortilla chip and you dip it into a dip and then you use the same chip again to dip again. I do that all the time. <laughs> Same, yeah, yeah. I don't mind. There's nothing wrong with it. No, no. no. I think when it's just family members, it's okay. <laughs> I think double dipping is cool. I think more people should double dip, you know? Like, for example, take a Dorito, stick it in some milk, and then take that Dorito out and stick it in Pepsi. Is that what you're referring You've to? You've taken it in a whole new Doritos and milk? Yeah. Have you done this? Yeah, that's good. It's like great. a plain Dorito or a Cool plain Ranch? Dorito. Plain Dorito. And I dip it in the milk. And then I dip it in the Pepsi, and then I dip it in some peanut butter. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's great. Are you checking those girls out right now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing an interview right now. I'm an A-lister. Come here. So you got to tell them you're an A-lister, bro, and that's how you get hooked up around this town. Okay. I think ahead. once you say you're an A-lister, you've definitively proved that you're not well, an A-lister. okay, you know, anyway, you know. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. These mm-hmm. are questions I ask uh, every guest or variations of them. Do you think about Seinfeld every day? Oh, yeah. I would for sure. So even if you can't watch it, it's going to flip through your mind. It's ingrained. I I always use the phrase, me and my wife always use it, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is one of those phrases that sounds kind of generic, but it's specifically from Seinfeld, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's an evergreen. Has Seinfeld ever made you weep? Oh, are you serious? <laughs> I am. Have you not seen the montage with Time of Our Lives, like the Green Day song in like the finale? I do not remember it. I watched oh. the finale when it was on and I haven't watched it since. That's okay. The um the finale, um, so they've got a montage of them all, you know, just backstage like shots and okay. you know, just and a lot of black and white photos of him laughing and at table reads. And um, it's all set to Green Day's Time of Our Life. Yeah. And, and that's sort of what got that song super over because it's on the highest rated. Okay. You know, you use yeah. a song on the highest rated show of all time or one of. Yeah. Um, you know, the finale. And this caused sincere tears? Oh, yeah. I'm a, t- I'm a crier, man. <laughs> I'm a crier. I, um, on the Letterman finale, like I, I adore uh, Andy Kindler. The comedian. Yeah, he's great. And when he came out to Australia for the comedy festival, I was so excited because it was like, oh, I'm getting hand delivered one of my favorite comedians like to my hometown. Oh, and so we ended up like I, you know, emailed him and explained 
like how much I loved him and I had this podcast and it'd be really cool if you came on. He's like, yeah, yeah. So he came on the, like the podcast and it was the first live one we ever did. And it was a dream. It was like, how is this person that like when I come to LA, I'd go see. Yeah. How is he on my show now? This is incredible. And I, I like that he's so true to his comedy and almost to a fault. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like held him back that he's so honest yeah. and he's so frustrated with, the insincerity in comedy and show business. And so he was a correspondent on Letterman and, and on the podcast, like um, we had this really weird moment on the podcast where I was asking him about what it's like, you know, do you talk during the breaks? Like, you know, yeah. with Letterman and he goes, um, Oh yeah. He'll ask you these questions and stuff. And you sort of be looking over at him and, you're like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. And he, and he goes, you don't know what that feeling's like. And I'm like, I go, I actually, I kind of do. <laughs> but so I knew how important the Letterman show was to Andy. And I was sad that like someone so cool as Letterman that sort of got Andy. Like I was like, oh man, is someone else going to give Andy a shot like that? Yeah, he was me? vocal about, well, it might not do TV anymore. Yeah. Letterman's ending. And so I was just like, so they started this montage and very similar, like all the best things. Montages kill me, man. So you're a montage crier. Yeah. And um, so they were going through all the guests, the magic moments, Drew Barrymore on the desk, like all that yeah. great stuff. They did presidents, right? And I'm like, oh, presidents. Andy, they're not going to show Andy. I'm yeah. getting upset about it now. <laughs> I cry like about weird things really. I guess what I'm passionate about, I'll cry about whenever. But um, I was really like, oh, my God, they're not going to show Andy. Yeah. And then after the presidents, Andy, stand up long shot to, um, what was it? Uh, Foo Fighters, um, uh, what was it Longview that song's called? No, I don't know. Um, it was an excellent song for the, the final thing. And they were playing it live. It was a really tricky thing where they played it and they went to the montage and then Lennon never came back. Yeah, and he slipped out. Yeah, he <laughs> bailed mid-montage. But they showed he Andy... He was probably crying too. No, I don't reckon he was. Um, <laughs> and they, yeah, they had this long shot of Andy that sort of like panned in a little bit. And I was just like... <laughs> cool. <laughs> and my, <clears throat> getting choked up to sing about it. And then my wife was in America at the time. And so she got to see it, you know, a few hours before because of the time difference. And she said, oh, you're going to lie. <laughs> you're going to cry a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think the, um, yeah, definitely the time of our lives. But the, the whole point of the show, you know, the, one of the catchphrases was no hugging, no learning. Yeah. So they, they didn't have those warm and fuzzy moments at the end of the episodes and stuff. But it was more the backstage camaraderie. Yeah, the actual human journey. Yeah, of, of the people that... that um, I cried rather than the anything that happened on the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, going off of the crying and that that mm-hmm. truth, uh, would you ever write a poem about Seinfeld? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm tempted to just take a little break and then come back with a poem. <laughs> uh, so, do you look for other ways to express your love of Seinfeld? Yeah. No, I feel like I've I feel like I've done enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, like whenever I'm in New York, it's it's mandatory to go to Tom's Diner. Okay. Which which doubled as Monk's Cafe. 
um, that's that's premium. And it's so funny because it's it's quite a you know uneventful diner. People just having their breakfasts and stuff. And me and my wife are just in there with giant greens, <laughs> like Disneyland level happiness. Yeah. It's like going. I remember the first time we went there together, and we they poured us the coffees, and I made some quip, and we both just went. We just made a quip we just in the did side it. We just did the thing. So yeah, I, I um I also think that I'm quite a cynical person. And so when you get a break of the cynicism, yeah. I think it's like too much emotion. Like I went and saw La La Land the other day and I was just like like my wife and our friend Blondie had already seen it and they said, Oh, what did you think? And I said just don't talk to me for half an hour. Like, I can't. Like, telling you what I think of this film is going to erupt me into... Because it cracked me open. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, um, I'd, I'd, I'd rather keep up my rough exterior. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you can write a rough exterior poem about Seinfeld, maybe. Okay. Have you ever corrected someone on a Seinfeld fact they got wrong? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just all the time, huh? Probably three times this podcast. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I would all the time. Actually, one of the raddest... This is just not answering your question, but I had a friend that was sort of... We're having this, like, dinnery metering thing, and he it was like a, an actor, their manager, and they brought one of their other um, talents, and he was one of the dentists at the Thanksgiving parade party at Tim Watley's house. He was the actor that played one of the dentists. Okay. And I'm just like, I can't believe you're in Seinfeld. Like, that's so cool. And they're like, you know, he's been in like, you know, he's been in every, he's one of those actors that's been in every show. Yeah. You know, he's like, just like an actor that knows everyone. But to you, that's who he is. He is the dentist. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's all good. But he was a dentist in Seinfeld. He told Jerry to come see him that Monday. So when you correct people, like if somebody saw that dentist and got a, a detail wrong about it, mm-hmm. would you be correcting them just because it flows out of you because you have this wealth of knowledge? Or is it because you want people to know the truth about Seinfeld, that you want the history recorded accurately? Yeah, I, just the truth. Like I, I, tr- I try to make my nerd palatable for society, but I still have that thing of just like, strong must correct but i try to make it in a you know a a friendly non-confrontational way well you're a very friendly guy so if i had to be corrected by somebody i'd like to be corrected by someone like you because i think you could have like a nice like hey buddy no big deal but you're wrong (laughs) the thing about that is (laughs) and and i i enjoy it when people like nah it's like all right let's go to the tape (laughs) let's go to the tape uh, this is my second to last How Obsessed Are You question. Uh, if a bear was blocking you from watching a brand new Seinfeld episode that you had never seen, would you try to navigate your way around the bear? Yeah. I've never seen a bear either, so that'd be, <laughs> um, it'd be, be an exciting day for you. Well, they, yeah, I would definitely have to navigate around that bear. But they did on um, Curb, one of the seasons, one of the storylines was... A Seinfeld reunion. Nice. So one of the storylines was, and they got all those guys in playing themselves. Yeah. You know, and some of them just like, oh, I don't want to do a reunion. That's whack. <laughs> and they ended up doing it and they rebuilt the sets. How recently was this? Oh, maybe like five years ago okay. or something. It's like season like six or seven. Or something okay. Like that. 
they filmed new Seinfeld scenes, like modern ones. And like one of the storylines in the fake Seinfeld episode was that Costanza had developed because now they've got all this new technology because most ever, most Seinfeld storyline wouldn't work these days because mobile phone. Right. So that's like negates most of the storylines. Like (laughs) what cinema are you in? We're in this one. Okay. I'll come in this one. Yeah. Um, So he made an app that gave you directions and rated the best toilets, public toilets in any city. (laughs) And he lost the money from it or something. Or like he somehow got swindled. He was a millionaire. Yeah. And then he invested in, I can't remember what he invested in. And he lost all the money from his app. And the app's still (laughs) like super popular. So, um, yeah, but you got to watch new Seinfeld scenes. Where yeah. it was like, it, like, so it was like, it was, I loved it because it was like they got to cheat and have a pseudo Seinfeld reunion episode without actually doing it, which is very Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is brilliant. So I, it was really weird. It was really weird just to see them say something else that I didn't know. Cause yeah. obviously, as you would have worked out, I know you have it memorized. Yeah. yeah. So to see, like you know, like bonus features and stuff, you know, you see like alternate takes and stuff. But to see like a new storyline was just like, wow, this is this yeah. is weird. Man. So that is bear worthy for you. Yeah, man. There could have like there could have been a bear at Amoeba, <laughs> and I just I didn't even notice. So maybe that happened, and I was so had my eye on the prize. I just walked straight past that bear. Everybody else was watching, like, damn, that guy doesn't give a shit about bears. He just stormed past. <laughs> what those Australians? They don't care. They don't know. He's, a, he's an obsessive nerd. <laughs> Final, how obsessed are you? Question: If you couldn't watch Seinfeld without you or someone you love first being punched in the crotch, would you still watch Seinfeld? Yeah, it's fine. It wears off. After a <laughs> it wears <while>. off. <laughs> the most direct answer I've got to that question. Yeah, didn't you watch like wrestling in the late nineties? <laughs> it only affects you for like a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'd take a chair. I would take a metal chair to the crotch for Seinfeld. Why not? I'd, I'd take a slobber knocker. <laughs> uh, ask people to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What noise would you make to sum up your obsession with Seinfeld? Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. You know the music, the that bass. Yeah, they recorded that new every episode to be in like to work with the stand-up. Oh, really? Yeah. So there was a guy with some weird. It's like a synthesizer, or no? It was some kind of weird kind of uh, like harp. Like a stringy thing or something. Okay, because I just remember I've been corrected by huge Seinfeld fans when I say, like, oh, you know the bass. Like, well, technically, it's not a bass. It's a whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It clearly didn't work because I don't remember what I was corrected on. I just remember that I had been corrected. I'm glad big Seinfeld (laughs) fans are getting a lot of voiceover work because that was amazing. Um, Yeah, I I watched a YouTube of it uh, a little while ago, and he would do it. He had to do it new every time so it would work in with... The stand-up. And like stuff. the rhythm of the jokes? Yeah. Okay. Because he'd say stuff and then it would go... Da-da-da-da. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and even the transitions, were they different every time? Just when it's a scene transition? No, I think they were probably the same. But okay. just that opening That opening one. Okay. And you know the Seinfeld building? Seinfeld's apartment is in LA. Oh, that's right. Uh, there was some, uh, I think like maybe a year ago, some opportunity to walk through it? No, 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 no. That was like made... Because I think they like were 
had it on like a new channel or something. Oh, okay. So that, that was a promotional thing. But that outside, the exterior shot oh, okay. is in Koreatown because one of the reasons you can tell that it's not in New York is the outside shot has, the building has earthquake, those, you know, those <laughs> yeah. diamond metal things. Yeah. And they don't have them in New York because they don't have earthquakes. And it was one of the things when they were just like, you know, it was on no budget to get the pilot done. So like that, the reason Tom's Diner is there is because the guy that was getting paid to get all these exterior shots for the pilot episode, he lived across the road. Okay. So he's just, just like, like jink. There you go. That, done. <laughs> so yeah, it's in Koreatown, the actual Seinfeld cool. apartment. So you can like go there, like just say you were really into Seinfeld, right? <laughs> you can go there and you can make a little, you know, like a director makes the screen you know, to like get yeah. a shot, like, oh, this is great. Like, <laughs> and you can do it and like look and it's And just you like, can really see it. And you can hear the little, the bass or whatever that music is playing. I'm going to go stand there and make that bass noise with my mouth and see if other people walk by and yeah. talk to me about Seinfeld. Just keep an eye on your wallet. It's not the <laughs> nicest part of town. Uh, so I rate people's obsessions on a scale of one to seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give you, uh, uh, I'm going to call them Festivus polls. So out of seven <laughs> Festivus polls. I think you're like six Festivus polls obsessed with Seinfeld. Okay, is that healthy? Oh, yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I go about to like 6.5, and then after that, maybe you're getting into therapy. But like, you clearly have invested a lot into it. Yeah. I also think it's a pretty healthy obsession, partly because they've stopped making it. Like, I find in like Star Wars can upset me because they're still making it. Yeah, and, and it's so- a lot to keep up with, so you can. Uh, distract yourself from other things you should be doing trying yeah. to keep up with it all we we used to just accept anything that came out sort of thing it's yeah. like because that's your show and it's just like maybe because it was perfect and it was great that you but like but now it's sort of like we're all kind of critics right and i'm not i'm not critical of that phenomena i i can enjoy it um, maybe that's why I'm so caught up in that. That's why I can't watch too many other things. Right. It, I, I invest so much energy in that. But I like Seinfeld never upsets me. Okay. Because it's for me, it's just like it's locked and done. They can't make any bad choices. They won't ever do. 180 perfect episodes. Thanks for coming. Um, you redefine television. Right. And you just made me so happy. Yeah, it made you laugh, made you think, uh, helped you shape your life into the comedian and podcaster that you are today. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, is there anything that you want to plug where people can find you, the specific names of your podcast? Uh, yeah. So the Star Wars podcast, which is, um, it's, if you're super into Star Wars or you are just looking forward to the new movie coming out, yeah. it is a, we try to make it as broad as possible and get people's like Star Wars stories and experiences and, and find um, people sort of that are, have interesting stories. Like one of the ones, it's called Steel Wars. Uh, one of my ones I always direct people to is with Nathan Hamill, who's the son of Mark Hamill, who nice. played Luke Skywalker. And it's finding out from him, he's a huge pop culture junkie and he grew up a huge Star Wars fan. And I found it fascinating to find out what it'd be like to be, your your existence is I'm a huge Star Wars fan and my dad's Luke Skywalker (laughs) and you don't know any different. And, you know, he'd go to his friend's house and his friend would have his dad on his toothbrush. Yeah. So that, you know, like stories like that and um, 
So yeah, that's Steel Wars, and uh, and and you guys will be on it pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other podcast is I Love Green Guide Letters, and you know we get some of uh, the top comedians in Australia and from around the world. Um, on uh, like Mark Maron's been on it. Nice. Dave Anthony, Gareth Reynolds is always on it, and uh, yeah, we just review the letters to uh, the TV guide. But there's also. It goes off in crazy directions. Yeah, it sounds like such a great setup to go God knows where. Yeah, so don't be put off by that you haven't seen any of these Australian TV shows. As regular listeners to the podcast know, I haven't seen any of them either. <laughs> it's, it's not a show about TV shows. Right. It's a show about complaints about TV kind shows. Kind of exactly what you were saying about Seinfeld, about we have a response culture right now. Yeah. So you're responding to the response culture. Yes, yes. <laughs> Here's some quick plugs uh, for this show, and then we'll move on to our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. For info on all my upcoming shows, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. As Steel was just saying, we're going to be uh, on the Steel Wars podcast, and Steel is going to be on our Star Wars podcast, Force Center. So go check out Force Center. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episodes. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, so final questions. Don't have anything to do with your obsession, but they can if you want. Just weird, fun questions. If you could fly or teleport, which would you rather be able to do? I'm trying to work out what, how much money is in flying. Like, endless flying? Do I get tired? How far can I fly? Yeah, I think it's like running. I think, you know, you fly for a while and you get tired. Okay, so I'd still have to pay to come from Melbourne because I wouldn't be able to fly over the no ocean. you'd like have to land okay teleport then bang <laughs> yeah teleport what am i thinking teleport, teleport. easy yeah teleport yeah, yeah. teleport definitely teleport yeah i hadn't really been thinking that you're a person who is splitting their time between australia and los angeles which are rather far away from one another so of yeah. course you would want to teleport yeah teleport would be would be fantastic <laughs> cool if you could make do every- i get that it's disappointing that i don't get that power now i know i'm sorry i'll work on it okay uh, I'll see if I can uh, invest in teleporting technology like George Costanza would. All right. Thanks for nothing, <laughs> If you could make everyone in the world watch a movie together all at the same time, what movie would you make the world watch? Star Wars. Oh, cool. Now, do you have a rationale for that beyond it is the movie that lives in your heart? I think Star Wars is a great story about... Uh, Destiny, following a dream, being more than you're set out to be. Yeah. And also coming through for the crew when they need you and, and, and living up to um, doing the right thing when it counts. Right. Yeah, I think in the, the three main characters, you get a lot of viewpoints. If you get the the optimist who kind of wants adventure, you get the cynical person who doesn't want adventure, and you get the like the really, with Leia, the really duty-bound person who's just like, I'm locked in, I'm doing this no matter what. Yeah, and and also that you know you can change path. Like my my I think my my Star Wars moment like that gives me goosebumps is the the Han Solo coming back and you're all clear, kid. You know, you know, there's a shot in a million. You know, like that sort of like he's lived a life a certain way and has made choices, and then is like gone. Oh, I'm going to come back and do the right thing and uh, saves the day. So, yeah, I think Star Wars, I always gets 
it's quite often the tweet that's pinned at the top of I've got two Twitter accounts one Steel Saunders and that's sort of just my human account <laughs> and um, the other one Steel Wars which is I save everyone else from endless tweets about Star Wars <laughs> but one of the tweets I often have at the top of my Steel Wars account pinned is I'm always shocked that people can watch Star Wars over and over and not pick up on any of its moral messages <laughs> yeah that is an increasing thing yeah it's it 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 boggles my mind so i i I think much like seinfeld has i think seinfeld and star wars are kind of like my yin and yang yeah so like you know seinfeld is like this cynical you know bit pricky nature yeah and then star wars is sort of like this yeah help other people and 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 sort of you know give back sort of vibe so yeah i think star wars is um pretty good yeah <laughs> i agree with that uh the final question you segue to it very nicely for everyone on the podcast it is what is happiness it is um luke skywalker this is the happiest thing ever luke skywalker about to be sacrificed into the sarlacc the um the awkward kid that was kind of you know not that cool has gone and seen the universe come back to save his friend. He's gone up against the town bully. Um, <laughs> hey, buddy, how about letting us all go or I'm going to have to kill everyone? <laughs> the bully goes, yeah, right, dude. And so Luke just goes, all right, if that's all that, if that's what you're going to make me do. Last mistake R2, you'll ever make. R2, yeah. fling over the lightsaber. I'll do a sweet forward flip. I'll catch the lightsaber, I'll ignite the green, I'll clean house, save all my friends, and you're done, son. Yeah. That is, like, I, <laughs> Valentine's Day just passed, and I posted the photo of Luke looking at his ignited green lightsaber yeah. on the skiff, and I was like, the rom- the most romantic shot in all <laughs> of movie history. <laughs> that is a great, for me as a Star Wars fan, and as a fan of that exact shot, that's the perfect answer to what is happiness. Nailed it. Mm. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Ah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. All right, so my favorite episode of Seinfeld, partly because it defined the rest of the episodes. It sort of like unlocked the key for how they would make the episodes in the future was uh, there's an episode called The Marine Biologist and it's where George is um, to impress this woman for some reason he just says he's a marine biologist and at the same time there's a storyline where Kramer is going golfing all the time at the beach and he's, he's hitting golf balls into the beach and then it all comes together when they're it's the end of the episode and they're in the booth at um at monks and george sits down and um explains why his relationship didn't work out and he starts this monologue that is just he's just one of the funniest things ever he starts with just like the sea was angry that day my friends (laughs) and he talks about how he was walking on the beach with this girl he adores from high school or something that he lied um about that he's a marine biologist and and they have this scene earlier on where there's a whale that's beached himself and just in classic Seinfeld 
you know, like a scene, uh, you hear someone in the background who's probably Larry David. Uh, Larry David did a lot of the background voices and stuff and um, made a lot of these weird cameos. And you just hear someone yell out, is anyone here a marine biologist? <laughs> and then and the episode ends sort of with George sort of you know rolling up his pants and just trudging off. And he so he's, he gets to Muggs and he goes, oh, the sea was angry that day, my friends. And he, he talks about how um, he gets this, a wave crashes down and he gets washed on top of the great fish. And uh, Jerry chimes in and goes, whale because it's just so funny that he's a marine biologist and he thinks a whale is a fish and um he he looks you know into the the blowhole and he sees that something is blocking it and he puts his hand in and uh pulls out a golf ball (laughs) and kramer goes titleist (laughs) and it all links in and then that sort of defined them that sort of unlocked the key to writing all these episodes from now on that all the stories would intertwine. That was like a new thing that they hadn't thought of that at the end, all the stories would crash into each other and affect each other. And I just think like as like a comedian that, you know, it's so good. Like any story that gets laughs and then ends in a big punchline, like I cherish, like when you can tell a story and it's funny all the way through, but at the end there's a punchline that brings all the components together and the fact that they were able to do essentially tell a 23 minute story that was setting up all these little components for this punchline at the end was just like, oh, it, it's just like we are not worthy to <laughs> be watching such a masterpiece. So, yeah, if you want to, if you're just like, what is this guy on about? Um, it's not that good. Like also you have to realize like the genre that they were creating at the time, but yeah, the marine biologist. I, I I'm gonna guess it's maybe like third or fourth season and television perfection. Perfect. That's great. Thank you. <laughs>